All right. Hi, everyone. Oh. And I still sound like a preschool teacher. Okay. Hi, guys. We are so happy you're back with us and that we haven't yet scared you away. If you're new here, then welcome to your new favorite book club. I mean, podcast. Same difference. Whatever. In this episode, we're going to dive into our favorite book club, <laughs> Romance Book Club by Lissa K. Adams. Crowd cheering in the back. Woo! Okay. In the last episode, we were lucky enough to sit down and have a chat with Lissa. So if you haven't listened to that, that yet, then go do it now. What are you doing? Go listen to it. <clears throat> but let's get rolling and we'll talk about some books. Hey there, romance nerds. Welcome to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. We are librarians at Northern Onondaga Public Library. And we are also romance nerds. Now, if you're wondering what this podcast is about, wait for it. Romance! Specifically, the romance genre of books. We are going to be talking about anything and everything having to do with romance. So with that being said, sometimes our material will be a little too sensitive for younger readers. If you feel the need to wait until they go to bed, we will be here for you. We would also like to issue just a general trigger warning for some of the things that we do talk about. We will always try to issue specific trigger warnings for each episode so that you know what you're getting into. Now, without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I've been ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage. do computers overheat when when they need to vent <laughs> so are we computers then no i wanted to say a noah joke oh i didn't even hear the noah <laughs> I will oh oh i get oh my god a computer guy <laughs> i I'm thought dumb. that was something that he told to alexis <laughs> i'm so dumb oh my god i tried to theme my joke. oh that was still a good joke thank you <laughs> i know you guys appreciate my jokes more than jackie does it's okay I'm, you guys get me. Oh, please blame the allergy meds. I am not myself. <laughs> yeah, this episode's going to be weird. I already feel it. We'll see how we get through it. Oh, I was up till like 2 o'clock last night. You should be proud of me, Jen. I was up till 5, so oh, I'm not well, impressed. You normally are up late. Yeah, I hate it. Me, I'm like in bed by 10. <laughs> so, But no, I read a really stupid book that we aren't going to talk about, but it was really dumb and I did not like it. But anyways. But we are going to talk a book we do like. Yes, we're going to talk about this. We're going to fangirl pretty hard in this episode. I think we should warn everybody because this is a series that we completely agree on. Yeah. Which is kind of rare. It's not super rare. We it's not like super half. rare. It depends on the topic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we obviously both stand Ruby Dixon, yeah. too. So I guess whatever. We both really love this episode. Mm-hmm. There's not much – or this episode. Pff, this series. Yeah. There's not much we don't like about it. Mm-hmm. So if you have negative things to say, that's totally fine. Whatever to each their I own. I hear it. But to know, know that Jen and I <laughs> love okay. this series. So if this isn't for you, you might want to skip this one. Or if you don't want any spoilers. Oh, yeah, because there's uh, going to be a lot of spoilers. Yeah, you should definitely read the books first and then come back and listen yeah. to us. And then go listen girl. to the interview that we did last time because it's great. Um, But, yeah, so we're going to read romance book club trilogy well we have read it we're gonna talk about it see what i mean i'm just really trippy today listen we were so cool and calm and collected oh my God. with the actual woman oh my God. now we get to just be our crazy 
selves because I held so much in. I have no idea how we didn't, like, pass out. I think I gave myself an ulcer. (laughs) (laughs) My stomach hurts now. (laughs) That's okay. Like, before the first, because we did an interview for the library and then we did the interview for the podcast, Jen came in before the library interview and was, like, flipping out. And then during the entire interview, I was, like, having a conniption in the background, background, like, raising prayer hands constantly. Mm -hmm. It It was great. It was fun. Um, but yeah, if that hasn't made you want to go listen to the interview. I don't know what else will. Yeah, I know. Please listen to us. Obviously go listen to it. And before I forget. Please. Don't you forget, dear listener, that the contest to win a signed copy of Crazy Stupid Bromance is still open. You still have time. You have until May 28th. To send us an email at ragingromantics at gmail.com with your name and why you're excited to read the series to be entered. That's it. That's all you have to do. If they've already read it, though. Yeah. So they... you can say, tell us why you yeah, like okay. it Just or why it. you want to reread it. Yeah. Or even why you would love to get a signed copy. Yeah. Why you love us. Just tell us something. This is just to get you to email me, okay? Put one word in the email. That's it. Well, you have to tell me your name. (laughs) Tell me your name, please. (laughs) Um, And if you live in Australia, because we're going to take care of shipping, but if you live in Australia, we might have to talk about this, kid. Yeah, I don't know how happy I'll be. But we will announce the winner on the first episode in June. So, again, you have until May 28th. So, again, that is ragingromantics at gmail.com. I don't know how to make the name any simpler. It's uh, do right that by in the May twenty eighth to be entered to win one signed copy of book three. That was the only one we could get, guys. Sorry, but it is one of the best ones, and out of a whole range of best ones. Yes. So you know we got it. Crazy stupid bromance. May twenty eighth. Ragingromantics at gmail That's all you need to know. Just okay, cool. Help. Just help make Jackie happy, please. This is really all this is. And I want to make sure you guys know how to email because it's an important life skill. Okay, okay. You can't email by now at our age. I think you have bigger problems. Anyways. Yeah, so let's get to the point. Like we said in our last one, we got to talk with the amazing Lissa K. Adams. And all I can say is that I definitely met one of my idols. And you know how they say never meet your idols? They're completely wrong. It was one of the best experiences <laughs> in my life. I guess it depends on the heroes. But she ended up being just a really nice interesting i want her to be my mom so thoughtful she really said so many things about romance and life and society that just really resonated Mm -hmm. i think at a certain point i forgot i was supposed to be conversating with her and And we just sat back and listened yeah because she just said so many things that that which is rare for us (laughs) (laughs) it just really 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 struck something that i was like oh this is exactly what i've been thinking and she just managed to put it into words really beautifully yeah she's just so verbose so Mm -hmm. loquacious and she just she sounds so smart and she is so smart Mm -hmm. and i just i want to be her when i grow up and i love it too because people wrongly think romance authors are probably just sitting at home eating bonbons yeah. like daniel Steele and a bed of roses <laughs> and probably are kind of airheads and or mean or something and she's just so nice and so thoughtful and i mean she really has put a lot of thought into all of this this wasn't something she did on a whim mm-hmm. she's very deliberate yeah i think with her plot choices yes. and her writing and just everything she thinks about romance and the state of romance. I really enjoyed the whole experience. And so. I just want to say, too, she had so many, like, tips and tricks mm. for an author. And as an, ex- an, an aspiring author myself, a lot of the stuff she was, like, talking about, I've taken home and I've tried to, like, apply that. I applied the chaotic method of plotting, <laughs> and it, it has worked. Oh, good. Okay. So, yeah, you know, it's been, it's been fun. And 
I really want her to do one of those like master writing classes. Mm, I feel like she would be so I good for that. I think they tend to be like really super famous people. I feel like the people who get invited to that are like Stephen King's and Margaret mm-hmm. Atwood's. But if she did like a YouTube series, mm-hmm. like I'd pay for that. Mm-hmm. You know, or if she did some kind of special series we could subscribe to to the library. But or you know, even if she just she and her writing pals, uh, Alexa Martin. <laughs> we want to talk to you too. Oh my god, I just want to fangirl with her about Real Housewives. <laughs> Because I know she's a massive fan, and I need somebody else to talk to about Salt Lake City. That is neither here nor there. <laughs> but it was just a great conversation. I really hope you guys enjoyed it yes. as much as we did. And we're ready to do a deep dive into the trilogy, soon to be book four. I know. It's going to be a foursome. <laughs> <laughs> I just read a book where there was, like, a possible foursome, and it was it was great. It was yeah. so good. But anyways... Um, this is kind of the first time we're really revealing, reviewing a whole series, too. Mine is Ice Planet Barbarians. A little bit. Ruby Dixon we did, but we did really specific ones. These we are going to talk about all three. Yeah, because it's a little more yeah. consinct. That's not a word. Well, this is all that's available right now. Yeah. Ruby Dixon, she's got like 50 things. She's got so many things yeah. published. Yeah. And she, Lissa K. Adams does have things published before Bromance. Mm-hmm. I have not read those yet, to be honest. And Sorry. She, it was really interesting, too, how in the interview she talked about how much she hated indie publishing. Yeah. And how much she hated doing all that work herself. Yeah. So it's probably not going to be on one of the, the top of my to-be-read list. I've got already like 214 things. Oh, God, I'm yes. I'm going to save it. <laughs> that TBR pile is just growing. But anyways, let's. Before we dive into the books, can we just chit-chat for a second about the covers? I am not normally a fan of a lot of the cartoon Mm -hmm. covers. I think some of them look like YAs or some of them look a little childish, Mm -hmm. but these are really beautiful covers. They are, and they're so purposeful, Mm -hmm. too. So these are – so the whole series has illustrated covers. Um, I don't think they've been released in hardback. There's only paperback versions. Yeah, I haven't seen hardback Um, But they're illustrated covers regardless, and they're all done in the very similar similar art style. Um, and while I know these weren't the first illustrated covers to really come into the romance book game, because we have The Hating Game by Sally Thorne, which was, I think, 2016, and Kiss Quotient, which was Helen Huang, which was 2018, they had illustrated covers too, but so they, they still- Alexa Martin. Alexa Martin, yeah. But they still featured the classic, like, two caricatures against, like, a kind of cheesy font, right? Bromance Book Club is- like a whole scene. I, I don't even know. I don't know. It's just like a very unique take on the cover. So for, if you haven't seen the series, the first book, we have a very attractive, I'm pretty sure it's a male derriere. Either way, it's a bubble butt and blue jeans. And um, he's got, they've got a Regency romance bodice ripper, like tucked into the back pocket and their sticky notes sticking out. And a hand holding a bouquet of daisies, like, down below. The second book features um, a face, pretty sure, again, it's a male face, obscured by a hat and sunglasses, holding up a romantic suspense book with a man and a woman on the cover, like a classic mm-hmm. rom romantic suspense. I tried to do, like, rom-com, but that doesn't yeah. work with rom-sus. doesn't work. Um, and then the third one is definitely a man, because it's a bearded jaw with an oversized kitty cat. And the cat is just, like, gazing lovingly up yeah. at the beautiful beard, I must say. And um, the man, not the cat, is holding, like, a small-town romance book with, like, a man holding a football and a girl in, like, a miniskirt, pretty much. And I just, I love them so much. They tell you about the book and the elements of the plot. And you know the instance where, like, the title makes complete sense? The covers make complete sense. Oh, do they, Jackie? They do. And plus, I mean, they're holding, so the book's... On the books, the characters on the cover are holding the book within a book books that the book club is reading. Oh, boy. It's a bookception. Hey, Jackie. What? I think you might be reading too much into this. 
<laughs> uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> so, this is our job, Jen. <laughs> I mean, no, I agree with you. They're really vivid. They're really beautiful. There was a lot of thought and care that went into them. Yeah. It wasn't just something that was slapped on to yeah. the books. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're really special, so. Yeah. I just, I, I really love. like them. And mm-hmm. when the Russian book comes out this summer, we can, we'll talk about the cover, because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's, it's going to be fun. And I have a theory. Oh, about the about, cover? About the cover oh, and okay. the book. Right. So, um, but yeah. I mean, I, I did not know you were this much of a cover fiend. Something but I let's think about. get into the books before this devolves into a ridiculous conversation any more than it already has. Yeah, it's So right. how are we feeling about Bromance Book Club number right. one in the, the Bromance Book Club series? We're about to say one of my favorite words. It is the titular book uh, in the series. I hey, love that word. Oh it's so fun to say. Titular. <laughs> titular. Yeah, so book one is Bromance Book Club, which I think Lissa said she had titled before she even titled, well, obviously before she titled the series, but I think she had titled the book and then they brought it in. It was like, this is the title of the series too. Something like that. Anyways, let's, um. so really quick, hopefully quick plot. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Um, Thea is our heroine, Gavin is our hero, and this book is fun because it's what happens after the happily ever after, because they're already married. They have two young daughters and a very adorable golden retriever named Butterball, and (laughs) I really want a Butterball myself. So when the story opens, Thea has just asked Gavin for a divorce, and he's pretty much like a complete wreck. We come to find out that Thea isn't happy in her marriage because they got married after she got pregnant only from one hookup in the back of her car. (laughs) And then pretty quickly after that, Gavin, who is a pro baseball player, was pulled up into the major leagues. And Thea's been settling down as a pro athlete's wife. So like how you were saying the Housewives TV show, like the whole Wives and Girlfriends Club, that's pretty much her. She describes it as like a Lily Pulitzer lifestyle. (laughs) And she is not a Lily Pulitzer. That does sound disgusting. She was an artist. She was an activist. Like she chained herself to trees and railings. And she was a bitchin'. That's what she was. And she's just been faking it this entire time. And her attitude hasn't been the only thing she has been faking <laughs> their entire marriage. Because, yes, it turns out that Thea, poor, poor Thea, has not had an orgasm the entire time they have been married. And Gavin has no idea. She's been faking it. So the catalyst to the whole plot is that Gavin's team wins, like, a major game, championship, something like that. And Gavin and Thea, like, the kids are with the are with somebody babysitters. And they're just, like, they're high on each other, on excitement, on adrenaline. And Thea is feeling very, like, loved and very tender. And they have sex. And Thea, because she is so in the moment, she orgasms for the first time in their entire marriage. And Gavin's like, um... What was that? What? Why was that? <laughs> and Thea goes, oh, it was, you know, it was an orgasm. <laughs> and she's been faking it. He flips out on her because he's a dumb man. And he goes to sleep on the couch. Thea, they end up having a separation. Like, he goes and stays in a hotel. And Thea decides that this is her chance for a new start. This is her opportunity to break away from Lily Pulitzer. And with the, hor- the hor- wow, with the support <laughs> of her sister, Liv, she asks Gavin for a divorce. That's where the book club comes in. That's where this book starts. And Gavin's teammates, like, rouse Gavin out of his drunken stupor, invite him to book club where he confesses that he just wants his wife back. 
and I love this scene because he kind of he has no idea what he's walking into. Yeah. He just shows up. He's told to show up with pizza and an open mind, and they like bring him down into this basement. And there's like all of Nashville's movers and shakers sitting around a table. And there's this big Hulk and hockey player who's like, I cannot eat pizza. I'm very intolerant, but I like cheese. And then he eats the pizza and he farts it out his butthole. It's basically a fart joke. Yeah, it is. It's great. Um. And Gavin ends up confessing that all he wants is his wife back. He loves her. He loves his family beyond all measure. And he'll do anything to make her happy, which is just it's so cute. I love it so much. So we have cast of characters, including the pro athletes, like our Russian hockey player Vlad, a country music superstar, um, the hottest nightclub owner in town, and, you know, like I said, the movers and shakers. And Gavin, with their help, starts his journey to winning back his wife. He makes a deal with Thea that he'll agree to the divorce only if she gives him a chance to prove that he still loves her and is willing to work on the marriage. She gives him until the holidays, so like I think it's like a month and a half, six weeks, something like that. So she he bargains that he gets to move back into the house and she has to kiss him goodnight every night. Of course, this gets a little spicy as we move into the book. It's great. So Gavin uses the romance novel, which is a Regency novel, um, to learn about relationships, about how he should be wooing his wife. And he works with the Bromance Book Club to, like, kind of hone these skills. And there's the infamous Walloween scene, <laughs> which I did use on Jen, and she blushed. It, it was worked. great. <laughs> and I it's really love there's, like, role-playing between the guys where, like, the guys are like, I'll be the girl. It's fine. And, like, they flirt with each other. And it's just so cute. It's just supportive in general. <laughs> They're just such supportive male friendship, and I love that. I love it so much. And Thea finds herself being wooed by Gavin. You know, she still cares for him. She still loves him. She still has a family with him and she is starting to realize that maybe it's not just him that's the reason the marriage fell apart that they need to work on it together and that she has a lot of mistrust especially towards men from her parents you know classic classic and her sister Liv is kind of toxic because she also harbors a lot of animosity towards the patriarchy same girl um but Gavin ends up proving to both of them that he's a good partner an amazing dad Thea goes back to her roots, takes up art again, discovers herself, and there's this really cute, like, dating scene where he takes her shopping for art supplies, and can somebody please just do that to me at Barnes & Noble? Like, that's all I want! Just buy me books! (laughs) But they do end up falling back in love, and the end scene is perfect. There's the grand gesture scene where all the men, like, storm a church, and the Russian is like, we run for grand gesture, which I really want on a shirt now that I think about it. Um, and yes, they do end up happily ever after again, back together. And for the rest of the books too, we still see them continuously working on their marriage, which I think is something good. It's really healthy. You don't see that usually. You usually see a lot of, well, just happily ever after. We're going to be great. Yeah. If there's an epilogue like 10 years later, somehow they're even more in love and they're even sexier than ever. And wow. And all of these are, so all the books follow pretty closely together. Yeah. I think there's like a two-year gap i think after the oh right between mac and yeah. alexis yeah okay fair enough so just immediately when i read this book for the first time i thought this book and then the whole series is just such a love letter to romance books mm-hmm. and to the romance genre i think sometimes she can be a little too earnest or preachy in parts especially with some of the older guys schooling 
like the the unexperienced mm. guys and and um because there are two older married yeah. pro athletes and lissa has said she's never gonna write their books because she doesn't want anything to happen to their marriages it's fine but she she was thinking maybe origin story i would be so down for that i will say again i will order two of those if yes. she does an origin oh story it's just an automatic pre-order for it's me just pre-order but i think sometimes we get too used to books that are kind of cynical and kind of dark mm. and in this case, I'll take a book that cares too much yeah. over something that doesn't. And I just, it was just such a beautiful homage. Like, just everything I love about romance yes. feels like it's in this. And just, it was so satisfying. Maybe that's the word I want to use. It was so soothing to just see men talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Even in a fictional setting. I mean, it was really encouraging that Lissa started talking about how this has inspired other men to form these book clubs and these kind of clubs with themselves. Mm-hmm. But even just in this fictional space, I loved that they were sitting down and being like, hey, this is what toxic masculinity is, guys. This mm-hmm. is what you're doing wrong. And just calling each other out, but still being really supportive and friends. Yeah, like the whole Wally yeah. scene. It's The discussion starts because Gavin's – they ask Gavin, well, when was the last time you flirted with your wife? And he's like, I don't know, probably like when I asked her out the first time before <laughs> she got pregnant. And they're like, you, wh- what? Yeah. You d- what? No, we're going to practice this right now. Mac, you be the girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just – it's – I just love it. Like you said, it's an homage to yeah. romance novels. It's such masterful masterful storytelling. And I think, you know, there's always the trope people say that romance gives women unrealistic expectations. First off, Lissa addressed that in the last one. You should go listen to her yeah, explanation. She, she did great. But also, why should this be an unrealistic expectation for men to sit down and have these kinds of conversations because we live in a patriarchal society that's full of toxic masculinity that's why but in reality we should they should be able to sit down and i know guys who sit down and talk like this which is great and i just wish more men did i was thinking about that after we talked about that and i think a lot of people have this idea that the expectations women are going to get is something like the hearts and flowers part of it, where, oh, every day you're going to come home to roses and like dinner on the date. Well, yeah, it's such a waste of money. Yeah. Why do you want to watch flowers die every day? Exactly. But (laughs) I think they think it's like the lovey-dovey Hollywood stuff as opposed to being like, I want to be respected. Mm. Um, No offense to my mother, but she did tell me when I was starting to read romance not super young i mean it's not in a gross way but she was like you know women don't actually have multiple orgasms in real life the way they do in books right so i think things like that obviously it's all very you should see the face i'm making right now (laughs) i'm not gonna describe it to you guys nobody needs that but (laughs) i still love you mom um but you know some of these things are very subjective and maybe in my mother that was true I think that's a fair expectation other women can have. I hope yeah. I don't get fired for that. Sorry, Mandy. <laughs> but. I mean, too, it's mm-hmm. so, this book that Thea hasn't had an orgasm their entire marriage. Yeah. I think that's. That's insane. The no- Honestly. It's the normal. It's not the normal thing. It's really not. It shouldn't be <laughs> it normal. It shouldn't be. But I think that not many people talk about this, but yeah. it's a very common occurrence. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not married. I'm not in a relationship. <laughs> don't ask me about that. But I think, I mean, it's just. It's real. I think it's getting better that women can ask what still, they want. I there's this really interesting article I should link you. It's called um it's like this gap, this pleasure gap between uh-huh. men and women and mm. how much 
more men expect to get like rewarded we'll say than women and how much more often they do and how it's still very much like a cultural societal thing reciprocal okay yeah i'm gonna have to send it i'm just saying yeah it. And i'll put it in the show notes. i haven't read it in a year so i don't want to quote too much from it just in case i've forgotten it but i have it saved because i thought it was just okay. really interesting. interesting but yeah, yeah it is very much a thing yeah i don't think that's anything too shocking to people no and i mean <laughs> male versus female anatomy people <laughs> Yeah, anyways, <laughs> moving on. But hey, talking about sex, I do want to mention really quickly, this is the first romance book I've ever read where the hero sucks at sex in the beginning. Like, or for, like, most of the book. Yeah, it's where he's, like, a quote-unquote normal guy. Yeah. Yeah, like, he doesn't have something quote-unquote wrong with yeah. him. I mean, usually romance is way too over the top where they come at the same time. Yeah. And he's just Multiple instantly O's. a master. And yeah. Even if he's a virgin and she's a virgin, they somehow know what they're doing. Yeah. With no, no mistakes no. or like funny things happening. Really hope I don't get fired. Why? I'm so nervous about this conversation now. Please, Listen, I'm we sorry. survived dark romance. I think we're okay well, with this. I had more trigger warnings in that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There, there's not very many trigger warnings. But for this, I thought so. this one was so interesting that he really wasn't that great and usually that is not true even in college romances the guy is some kind yeah. of stud With, pfft, yeah right I know. <laughs> but i loved that concept of how she kind of took that and yeah it was honestly the whole thing was just a fr- breath of fresh air like i know that there have been a lot of contemporary romances and a lot of rom-coms that have come out in the past couple of years but i think like Alyssa was saying after the 2016 election and especially after 2020 i think we needed that yeah. i think we really needed these kind of lighter conversations that were balanced with these more serious moments of gavin and thea sitting down and having a conversation about why their marriage isn't working yeah. or in the next book they sit down and they talk about sexual harassment and why you shouldn't talk to a woman that way mm-hmm. or or to anyone that way um and it's balanced with these fart jokes and with these <laughs> flirting scenes between the guys and you know they rag on each other still i mean in the second and third books they're constantly flipping each other off and i'm like yeah same guys <laughs> but it's just i also really loved how we got to see what happens after the happily ever after yeah that was nice because like you said earlier traditionally once the hero proposes that's it's it. wedding bells and that's it they always get married they always have kids Ugh. And this is just, it felt more current. And I like that she breaches the divorce stigma. That was nice, too. Yeah, yeah. Because, again, that's something you don't often see. Um, I mean, you might see it with older heroines, but, again, like we talked about in our Cougars episode, you don't even see a lot of that. So, But I also like that we also get a heavy dose of the male perspective, not just from Gavin, but also the rest of the book club members. Yeah. And they're all in various degrees of relationship. It felt very, like, bro-y without being gross in locker room talk. They supported each other. They just want each other to succeed. And even though they keep feeding the Russian dairy, they really just genuinely care for each other. Yeah. And I, I cannot recommend this book enough. I really can't. And what about the second one? Can you recommend that one? I love this book so much! <laughs> this is my favorite in the series, although I think Vlad's book is going to be my we'll new see. favorite. But um, so Undercover Bromance, book two, is going to be Brayden Mack, who is the hottest nightclub owner in town, the leader of the Bromance book club, a feminist, and he really just wants to find love, okay? He wants his happily ever after. He wants his one true only. The only problem is he's a bit too perfect. That's really sweet, though, because usually the 
the male is the one you have to kind of drag kicking mm. and screaming and yeah but know. no it's kind of like flipped in this yeah. one you're right i like mm-hmm. that um but like i said he's a bit too perfect he does literally everything by the book and he tries to fit all his relationships and like everything he does when he's in a relationship with a woman into a narrative of how he thinks things should go mm-hmm. he's like okay uh step a take her out to dinner step b kiss step c by her ring you know that's i mean obviously there's a lot between b and c but <laughs> that's the kind of thing and it, it it doesn't work yeah spoiler alert so our heroine is Liv, who is thea's sister we meet her in the first book and she's just i love her i love her so much she's tragically flawed she's not perfect she gets things wrong she's impulsive she, so she has anger management issues and she's just like she flies blind into it with both fists swinging and i just i love her so much i like to imagine this is me except minus thing well i have anger management <laughs> issues so you know anyways the book opens and Liv is a pastry chef at a five-star restaurant in nashville and her boss royce is a pretty big douche canoe he's not just a douche bag he's bigger than that he's a douche canoe um after an incident with a thousand dollar cupcake and yes you heard me correctly a cupcake with a thousand dollars I wish. <laughs> Maybe we should have talked about this in our billionaire episode. <laughs> but anyways, of course, it's Mac who's ordering this cupcake. And it's like perfect meat cute. Not really meat cute because they've already met and he stole her Chinese food in the first book. But it's a second meat cute. Um, Liv drops the cupcake onto Mac's date's dress. Mm-hmm. And she's fired by her boss. And when she goes after the fact to give him a piece of her mind after her shifts ends, she finds him sexually harassing the young hostess, college-age hostess, and trying to elicit sexual favors in return for the hostess not getting in trouble. Liv is like, oh, oh, hell no. And she storms in and she's like, I'm going to expose you. Don't you dare do this to anyone else. And he's like, you signed an NDA. Again, billionaires, NDAs, whatever. I wish you had asked her about the legality of that. Yeah, that's true. I wonder, because I feel like a lot of the NDAs in the in the real world, they either got thrown out or they were like, you know, this isn't really easily enforced. I mean, I can't, I guess, did she have to sign an NDA just because Royce is like Oh, yeah, because he's like celebrity chef. chef so, so he's like Guy like, Fieri level. Okay, so yeah, so she might have seen like celebrities doing embarrassing things that she would yeah. need an NDA for. And, also, he has anger course, management issues on top of anger management yeah. issues. Yeah, like, I don't know. I wonder in, in hindsight now, I kind of wish we had asked more about that. That's true. Like, Maybe I'll see if I can find any articles that we can read and, like, talk okay. about. Sorry for interrupting. It just occurred to me. I was like, no, I wonder, that's like, what... how that would have worked in the in real, like, I feel like now she could just go on Twitter and be like, hey, look Oh, yeah, Twitter did. blast. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it right now in New York State. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Anyways. <laughs> but, yeah, so Liv, it, her hands are tied by this NDA, and she gets thrown out of the restaurant. She, she's like, never come back. And she vows to bring him down doing whatever she can. Mac figures out that he is the reason Liv got fired and he like tries to offer her a job she denies it like all this sort of stuff it's enemies to lovers it's great Liv hates him so much and he's just like I just want to help you okay but again he's being too perfect about it um so together they end up teaming up to bring down Royce because I forget how but somehow Mac figures out what's going on without her telling him 
Well, because he talks to Royce and Royce kind of oh, like lets right. it drop. Remember that's right. the whole scene in the bar? Because they're like, in the same like social circle. Yeah, right. so Royce thinks, oh, I can like safely tell this guy that I'm a gross man. Yes. Yeah. You know, men will back me up. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's like a... It's like the whole bar thing. Grab her by the... And Mac, <laughs> yeah, and Mac is immediately like a no and kind of exposes himself yeah. as like a quote unquote good guy. We'll use that word or a nice guy. I do want to say when Lissa was talking about like romance novels and toxic masculinity, a lot of the stuff she was saying, I had just read Mac saying mm. so like if you want to know Lissa's voice if you want to know Mac's voice <laughs> just listen to that interview and then go read the book because they like it's perfect yeah I love it so much um but yeah so they team up to bring down the ex-boss and they like they fight attraction the entire way I will say do. this isn't the steamiest one except for that bar fight kiss oh my god that was, that was fun. <sighs> I love that scene so much so much um but so we end up meeting Liv's friend and a coworker, Alexis, who used to work at the restaurant. She's brought into it because Liv approaches her to ask her if she knows anyone who's also been harassed. Because, you know, Alexis was at the restaurant. She's a woman. Yeah, maybe Let's she ask. Something. Maybe she knows. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that Alexis herself was harassed by Royce. And she took a payout after she slept with him um, so that she wouldn't lose her job. She took a payout. And she used it to help pay her mom's sick medical bills and her sick mom's medical bills and to open a cat cafe. And I just want to say Liv is not a great friend at this point. No, she victim blames. Very hardcore. Well, I want to get into that, but I do want to mention, I understand why there's a lot of people uh, in the review space who really hate Liv because Mm. she's not exactly the poster child for the best way to react to just this whole situation. Yeah. But I will say she learned say she learns from yeah. it and she does grow very well. So like a lot of stuff happens where like there's mission impossible scenes that yeah. go down. It's great. Um in the end, Mac steals or like he has his hacktivist friend Noah. Yeah. There's the Noah that Jen was talking about. <laughs> um they get financial documents from Royce that prove tax evasion, tax fraud, that he's been doing these payouts to like a Cayman Island account basically. And they plan to use that to bring him down in a major charity event. Um, he does get brought down, and it's it's a bit – there's a twist. Is, exactly. There's yeah. a twist. I'm not going to spoil that because it's a good twist. Um, and he – Royce is sentenced to prison. He goes to prison for, for tax, tax evasion <laughs> um, because they definitely couldn't approve, sadly, the harassment, like definitively approve it, um, or payoffs that were through a foreign banking account. So they went through the tax evasion. I think he got like 20 years or something like exactly. that. It was a good amount. Yeah. And I will say that Liv and Mac end up together. Beautiful. She is a pastry chef in the end. Again, she has her job back. Mac has, like, he's still great and the book club is there. Yeah. But he is super excited about his wedding. Yes. Oh my God. I love that so much. Liv is like, I could care less about this wedding, babe. It's all you. You do it. And so in the third scene, we get so many scenes of Mac planning this wedding and I love it so much. (laughs) Anyways, but Undercover Bromance, Jen, what did you like about it? So I mentioned this to Lissa and I'm going to say this again. It seems a little controversial and maybe a little backwards, but I really appreciated how much Liv screwed up in Mm. dealing with her friends over the sexual harassment and the assaults and just dealing with this whole situation of her wanting to be this white knighted Russian, even though this wasn't something that happened to her. (laughs) Russian? I... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I will say it was really hard to read at times. I really wanted to scream at her. I wanted to shake her and be like, calm down. You're not helping. You think you're helping. I think that was the most frustrating thing You think you're helping, but you're not. You think you're helping, but you're not. Yeah. And I think this is important because a lot of her initial gut 
or a lot of her initial instincts are people's gut reactions to dealing with this. Mm. I don't think anybody knows, even women who have dealt with this, I don't think you always know the right thing to do or say right away. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's something they teach you in school. No. There's not really a a physical guide. It's kind of just something you have to, you can maybe plan ahead and try to kind of picture it in your mind, but it doesn't really work until it happens to you. So I think having that initial thought from Liv of being like, oh, why didn't she say anything? Or you must not be weak. Or you must be too weak to fight. You must not care enough to fight. For yourself, kind of an attitude. She had a lot of victim blaming. She did not put herself in these women's shoes. She just, she is such a ball buster and a go-getter. And she's a force of nature. So she couldn't understand why all these women were not fighting with Royce and were not willing to come up and stand up with her. And... They, she had a really uncomfortable conversation with Alexa where she's like, I didn't feel safe telling you about this because of this. And I think for a lot of people, those are some of the first thoughts that pop into their head about assault. And sometimes a lot of them never get over those initial. Mm. I still see a lot of women that do a lot of victim blaming. It's you internalized know? misogyny. That too. So I think especially coming from women and just thinking about how much Liv must have hurt Alexis. I think that that must have been so painful and such Mm -hmm. a betrayal and i think sometimes it hurts coming more from other women than men i think it ended up being really brave and really smart of lissa to write live in a way where her first reaction was just totally wrong and screwed up she didn't say the perfect thing she said she didn't have come close no not at all complete opposite end i think it was really important that alexis then confronted her and forced her to change her mind about what she was doing and she owns um, up to her mistakes. And she owns up to it. She Exactly. She screwed up. She admitted she was wrong. And she changed her approach and made amends to Alexis especially. I think it's important to show how hard this stuff is. And a lot of people will screw up, but you could still change and redeem yourself. And this is – it's not exactly a guidebook or a playbook, yeah. but I think you can come back from it. And you can help people in the way that they actually want to be helped. Mm-hmm. I think – I mean, Alex, you, Alexis kind of needed to be that ball buster to get anything done. You mean but, live. Sorry, Liv. I think Liv needed that kind of attitude and internal fire to actually have Royce exposed. Yeah. But she didn't understand she was dragging people along and not walking besides these women. Yeah, exactly. I loved that. A lot of women and a lot of reviewers really hated that aspect of Liv, so I understand that it's not... Yeah, I think, too, a lot of the reason that they could have hated it, I mean, obviously they would have settled on this, but I think it's because it is so in your face. Yeah. It is so, like, out in fronting about we're addressing Me Too and we're addressing sexual harassment and we're going to address how people treat other people, especially how they act towards victims. And I can see you want to say something. Oh, I think because what I saw was a lot of people were like, yeah, Liv is so wrong. She's so wrong. And I think uh, yeah, people so wanted, are we. And, exa- and I think people wanted her to be right. And I understand it must have been so hard. And I think Lissa said this was so hard not to make her like, again, the perfect, perfect. poster child yeah. for what you should do. But unfortunately, this is what a lot of women and men do and say when confronted with these things. So I think it's really important, like I said, to to screw up. Liv screwed up so many times but she really came back from it and I think she ended up successfully redeeming herself and you can't always go on this perfect journey no. I'm not going to get into it and I will say it's an interesting foil to Mac at the same time because yeah. he is so perfect he like focuses on perfection to the point where there's a major twist with him too yeah. and like his whole life is about being perfect and in the end he has to confront that you can't be perfect all the time that you have to be willing to fail you have to be willing to cede control 
to other people, which is what Mac does to live in this situation. And their growth together is just, I love it. They ended up being kind of mirror images of each other. They really did. That's a good point. They were yeah. really nice together. And, I and think- then we have Hop and Rosie. <laughs> I love them so much. They were another great example of just growing from your own mistakes and your own thoughts. Yeah. So um, Liv lives on a chicken (laughs) farm or on a farm. It's a hobby farm. It's basically my future dream. Um, And there's chickens, which are just, I love the chickens so much because chickens are great. Um, But so Rosie owns the chicken farm. Or the chicken farm. I keep saying that. She owns the farm. And she's like a grandmother figure pretty much. And then we have Hop, who is a Vietnam War veteran. He's a cool guy. But he has a lot of toxic masculinity. And Rosie was a flower child. She was like the 70s women's movement, women's power, chain yourself to the fence, fight for freedom and equal rights and all this sort of stuff. And Hop has to – he ends up going to the Bromance Book Club (laughs) where the guys like – are like listen dude you gotta sit down and shut up and listen to us for a minute and they realize help hop realize that he's in love with rosie and to win rosie he really has to address this toxic masculinity and address what societal standards made him this way which i love because like i said in the last episode this was hop's generation is the type of generation that i grew up with and i was surrounded by a lot of that and so to see someone like hop learn and grow from my favorite books mm-hmm. romance books it was just oh, so good listen my dad's 83 i get it yeah you get it you <laughs> feel that yeah i think i get it older than you Dad's yeah like... you yeah you definitely do <laughs> you're like at world war ii levels almost <laughs> i'm at vietnam levels <laughs> not to laugh about that but but still and while this wasn't the steamiest book like i said we had it's it's middling steam can i tell you a secret okay I actually skimmed over the sex scene. So did I. I just was the so first excited for scene, the plot. Chef's kiss. Listen, I just it was, this was one of those books where I like I obviously enjoy the sex scenes. Come on, yeah. I read like a gazillion <laughs> romance novels a year, but I really wanted to know the plot and what would happen and yeah. how they were going to come back together. I just didn't have time for the sex scenes. And so we've sorry. talked about this before: is oh, if you can take the sex scenes out of a romance novel and still have a romance story, then it's a true romance yeah. book. And that is what this is. Like, the sex scenes weren't absolutely pivotal to things. Like, there was a lot of, like, tenderness, and they yeah. helped realize that, you know, they wanted to be in a relationship together. And what some is, character building, I guess. Lives. Yeah, yeah, there was a some. Bit. But enough that, again, you could have taken Like, I skimmed it, and I was fine. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, I have to find out what they're going to yeah, do same, next. Same. The spy <laughs> stuff was just, that was the best part. So That was my dirty yeah. secret. But that spy stuff leads us to Jen's favorite. <laughs> Crazy, crazy stupid, stupid romance. romance which you can win a signed copy of if you email us by oh, may 28th yeah, it is the best one she wrote her name so big on the pages guys i've she already did. stared at it she for did. five minutes <laughs> so in crazy stupid bromance it is a year or two in the aftermath of royce's whole yeah debacle. we're almost to the wedding of living mac almost we're like wedding. months out <laughs> they've taken uh mac is having the time of his life planning the wedding he is a groomzilla mm-hmm. So in this one, we feature Liv and Noah, who obviously... Alexis and Noah. Damn it! Why did I put Liv? I don't know. Uh, I think you wrote Alexis everywhere else. You know what? Okay, listen. I think she could have picked names that were a little more different. Because I just keep seeing the L-E-V... Or, like, the L-E, and I'm, like, just, my my brain is stupid, guys. Well, so, Alexis is my middle name, so I have no trouble with that. I don't know. I'm just dumb. So, let me start this Anyways. Anyway, so, in the aftermath of Royce's debacle, Alexis is busy living her life, thriving at work, and hanging out with Noah, her best bud ever, secret crush, and hacker extraordinaire. 
She also likes to organize events for survivors at her cat cafe. And she's approached by this very nervous girl. She's like, oh, gee, this must be somebody who's going to tell me her story. This is very frequent now that I've been so publicly outed sort of as Royce's victim. So instead of a sexual assault story, the woman tells her she's her sister and their <gasps> father needs a kidney. Da, da, da. Could Alexis be a donor? So this obviously sends Alexis in a tailspin because she's never met her father. Her mother raised her as a single mother from birth. And her mom's now dead. And her mom's now dead. So she has longed for a family at times before. Other times she's been very much like, well, screw you guys. Because she always thought she really didn't know anything about her father at all. So this very much feels like an attempt just to get a kidney for their dying father. Mm -hmm. But then the sister is so nice and very much like, I didn't know you. I really want to get to know you. You're my sister. I love you. But also I need a kidney. Mm -hmm. So there is a really great back and forth of not totally understanding what their true intentions are. Mm -hmm. So she has a lot of stuff to sort out. On one hand, but on the other, she pretty much decides to help out however she can just because that's the type of person she is. She's very giving. She's so giving. She's very much, you know, my mother died of an awful disease. If I can help this person, even if he's using me somehow, like, how can I say no? And to be fair, I think that's a very real feeling that probably most of us would feel if we weren't petty. And I do want to say that there's the, uh, the... What's her name? The woman at the hospital who's like a the therapist. Oh, the th- who's talking to her about like why you want to do this. Yeah, and she's like, are you being emotionally coerced into this too? Which I was really happy that they put in because that's not something that you often talk about, about is emotional coercion. And this could very <coughs> could have been, yeah. This could very well be a case of emotional coercion. And then meanwhile, her best friend Noah, who's so totally not in love with her, but it's also and very not much in love, love with each other at all. The bromance book club ends up welcoming him to their ranks to help him get the girl because, of course, he actually does love her and really wants her and is ready. But they're both really scared about ruining the brunch, the friendship. Yes. His whole plot line has a lot of great things about what it actually means to be a man. And it's kind of sprinkled throughout the whole book. I'm not going to get into a lot of the details. Yeah. But it's something that he's constantly been questioning ever since his dad died at war in a preventable accident. Yeah, it was a drone accident yeah. and and after it was 9-11. Just, mm-hmm. So he is also just a great support for Alexis because she is convinced by her sister to go meet her family, who did not actually know she existed yeah. until she walked through the door. Yeah, his sister did not tell anyone that yeah. she was coming. She was, she was just like, oh, like, this is my friend. Here's my sister. Surprise. Surprise. So I don't think it surprises anybody that it did not go yeah. well because no. the dad actually did kind of know about her he had really genuinely not known about her existence until her mother died yeah but her mother had died three years before yeah and so he had kind of left her alone for three years and he never mentioned this to his wife or his other children because he was in a relationship at the time that he got um q ross from friends saying we were on a break break. (laughs) (laughs) yeah but so when alexis's mom got pregnant alexis's mom found out that the dad was getting married and she's like never contact me again yeah. i will raise this child so on she my just own. cut him totally out and then and he, he no never idea. made any attempt to like reach out after that yeah, so. because i think he was just really scared he didn't know what to do i mean that's got to be a shock to find out you have this whole daughter that's grown up without you and probably hates your guts yeah you also so, what, 18 years of child support and, at that point. oh yeah so. <laughs> so he's in a really hard spot because he kind of wants to know her but he's also really scared and doesn't want her to think he wants her kidney but he also kind of does want her kidney because he doesn't want to die yeah but he's like maybe i should die because i'm such a trash human being <laughs> uh, so all of their interactions end up doing a really good job of just yes just things. like constant back and forth because i know when i first started 
to read this book. I was instantly, again, my petty mind, I was like, screw you guys. I'm going <laughs> to laugh in your face, you dying father. Ha, ha, ha. And then you find out he didn't know about her. Yeah. And the f- half of the family really wants to get to know her. The other half of the family hates her. They're very much like, it's up to you. It's up to you. We want you in our lives regardless. But, like, also our dad's dying. Could you help us? Yeah. So there's just this emotional tug of war. And there's so many great And it keeps areas. you guessing the entire time. What she's going to do. I mean, you kind of know she's going to do it just because it's her. <laughs> But it's not a perfect black and white situation, which I love. And I think Alexis It felt channels, real again. It feels so real. And then I think she ch- ended up channeling a lot of anger at her father, mostly because she couldn't direct that at her mother anymore. Mm-hmm. There's this really beautiful scene where she says she's just so angry at her mother. At the cemetery, right? She can't yeah. figure out, like, she how she can't ask her anymore. Like, why did you do this yeah. to me? Like, why didn't you tell him? Like, why? It's one thing for this to have been Alexis's choice to cut him out, but her mom, like, they struggled their entire lives, and he was a wealthy man. Yeah. At the very least, there could have been child support, but her mom just clung to her pride, and how do you talk to her or question about her anymore when she's dead? Yeah. And Noah this whole time is just completely supportive of Alexis. He's on her side, and, like, he he does decide that he wants to pursue a relationship, yeah. but he's so scared of, like, <sighs> ruining it, yeah. and she's also like, well, I'm ready to make this move, and... <laughs> So I was listening to this on audio and like the first kiss scene gets oh, very yeah. steamy and I was driving and I almost <laughs> crashed because I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but I will also say, cause it's very good because there's this kind of realization for Noah in this scene that he pushes her away. Cause like, yeah. I want you to be sure. And the guys are like, Noah, you're asking like, yes, that's good to know, but you're also pushing her away and making her doubt her decision after she's already been through a sexual, her like, it's not even harassment, like a sexual victim case. And it's just, it was kind of like a realization for Noah of, I have to trust her to know what she wants. Right. You can't protect her from herself. Yeah. So they do get together. He ends up meeting the family. And it's revealed that, oh, hey, the dad worked for the company that committed the mistake that led to Noah's dad's dun, death. Dun, dun. And during this, the brother is, like, openly hating Alexis. The brother's just, so d- The brother is, like, pro- honestly worse than anybody. Yeah. But uh, to be fair, I mean, he just he sees this interloper who has just like ruined his whole family yeah. and has exposed his mother like love child yada yada so these documents get leaked proving the company's involvement because noah had had this confrontation a little bit with the father and some pushback about oh hey you know my dad was one of the ones that could have died from that so instantly the brother goes up to alexis and is like you are the worst thing that ever your happened your boyfriend did this your boyfriend did this how Stay dare away from you my you're family. the worst and there is a moment where Alexis does believe Noah did it. Like, for two seconds. Just for two seconds. Just because he is experienced hacker. These are things he's tried before. He, he worked tried for the to... FBI because yeah. he got caught as a because hacker. Because he got caught. So, there is a moment. So, she... Like, read from Criminal Minds. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, she does have this moment of doubt. And it ends up kind of torpedoing the relationship for a minute. Mm-hmm. Until the bromance book club can get in there. And is like, Noah, calm down. Yeah. She thought it for two seconds. And he ends up rushing to Alexis's side for his grand gesture because she has decided while she's in the hospital, in spite of everything, that she is going to give the kidney. We also find out it was Alexis's dad who leaked the documents because again, he's trying to be a better man. But don't say what happens with the kidney past that. I mean, what happens with kidneys? It's in there. Okay. (laughs) I was gonna leave him guessing. Okay, whatever. But ends up being so things are still very, very awkward with the family. But they're kind of like, you know what? We're gonna try harder. So we are 
left with the hope that things are going to be better between everybody yeah. and Alexis and Noah are back together and, uh, and at the very at the end they're at the wedding and the Russian's wife appears which is so okay but anyways let's okay undercover romance and like five minutes or less what do we like about this I loved the whole drama over the kidney donation I know a lot of people hate it it was a lot it's a lot but I thought she did a great job making a situation that would make my petty heart very happy to refuse and to something that does have a lot of gray and is very ambiguous and it ends up needing to be a personal decision for you it's not something that like I can say was right for her it was right for her Um, I don't know what I would have done if I had been in the same situation but she did not turn them into one dimensional villains outside of the brother Mm -hmm. the brother was a little bit yeah he was very much like the bad guy but whatever so yeah I really wanted her to to laugh in her dying father's face but in the end I understood her decision better and I think leaking the documents was really the sign of like oh you are a different man Mm -hmm. like you really do want to make it up to Alexis and uh, prove yourself and be a better person um he still did a lot of things wrong and, and he could be selfish i also think she just did a really good job making a complicated situation instead of making something very easy to justify do you think well so i obviously think that the romance between noah and alexis is completely believable because it's friends oh, to lovers yeah. it's I just think it's the best one too yeah the foundation and it's kind of like the easiest romance mm-hmm. to fall into i mean god mac and Liv fought like cats and dogs yes you know but and it no was like one... constant will they won't they whereas with this one you know it's gonna happen you just know and when it finally does it's oh my god I and if they so had much. a period where they weren't talking for like a day and they were just like i missed her so much <laughs> No. Just that they have that much presence in their lives already, yeah. and that they are such a support system for both of them. Uh, okay, really and cute. for the bromance, there's a spa scene. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh my god, I laughed so hard, I was snorting <laughs> because the guys are on. It's a combined bachelor bachelorette trip, which it's not like a cheesy one. Um, yeah. And they like they talk about getting massages, and they're like, "Do we strip naked? What if we get a?" boner what if we fart and the russian's like i will fart <laughs> it's just i love it so oh my much. god i love beefcake yes beefcake beef is, is the so cat bad. he's a main coon and he is a demon cat he is very much so jen's old cat well that was a good girl okay she, she did stare sweet. at me with those i'm gonna she kill you i was she was hungry okay the bit wouldn't let me feed her very so much so is beefcake beefcake is very hungry yeah. Beef- oh and then there's the karen how can we forget karen oh yeah i think just because we are already running out of time but it's fine karen sucked she was very much like what she I was, was alexis's before. neighbor one of those women who just instantly victim blames are not gonna she ever, was a karen very much a Karen. like she was named karen because she was a karen yeah did not believe alexis thought she brought it on herself thought it was all made up yada yada was so mad that all of these assault victims were coming to the cafe and taking up all the parking so she actually tried to get her fined at the what was it it's like council, a town, town council board. meeting yeah yeah for the whole and alexis business. stands up for herself and she's like it's no beautiful. listen it is and an it was scene. it was really nice to see alexis's whole journey from yeah. liv's book where she was scared to step yeah. forward to this point where she's addressing face to face her yeah. her um harassers and i really like that and Karen sucked. There's the villain of the book. Yeah, she was there the we true go. villain. We got one one-dimensional villain in the whole series, and it's Karen. Yeah, perfect. And I'm fine with that. She doesn't need any depth. She can just go suck it. <laughs> but let's move on to... Yeah, because I know you're excited for Isn't It <gasps> Book four, which comes out July 20th, 2021. I will put the pre-order link in there. Just go 
do it. It looks so good and it sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. So Vlad is our hero. He is the Russian. He's the hockey player and he finally gets called by his name the entire book instead of the <laughs> Russian. And he is actually a romance author. And he is, so he's got writer's block. He's trying to get this book out. He's trying also at the same time to save his marriage because he's married, but it was an arranged marriage, marriage of convenience, because Elena, his wife, well, only married him to escape Russia. Her father was a journalist, like an activist journalist, and he went missing, presumed, you know, KGB took yeah. him, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's kind of all we know. Yeah, so. And she asked him for a separation again, so Aww. yeah. Her- Vlad. He's such a sweetheart. I know. He's really probably the most gentle of He's all the He's a teddy bear. Yeah. He loves to hug. He loves to cuddle. He's just, he's so sweet and he believes in the grand gestures and, and so he's romantic. it's so sad that he smells the worst with all the touchy-feely stuff. <sighs> I really – so I'm really interested because obviously, like, we were talking about the first three books. He's a giant fart joke. And, like, I won't lie. In my head, I kindly pictured him as this kind of, like, uglier guy with, like, chipped hockey player teeth yeah. and, like, no hair. Some of those hockey guys get busted up. Yeah, almost I mean, like Jason Statham plus, like, 200 pounds. Oh, okay. That's, like – but, like, 200 pounds of muscle. That's yeah, what yeah. I was envisioning. Like, 6'6", six, six, 200 oh, pounds of muscle. That. Okay. Um, so I'm really sweet. interested to, like – get to know him as a romance hero i'm really hoping she does something about the farting because i'm just i would have i totally maybe elena puts him on medicine <laughs> i just listen i don't know if i could live with the way he farts because apparently she uh, she said in the last episode she that she addresses it. it from like okay. page one so and can i just talk about the cover for this one really yeah, quick I so I in our last episode lissa said she would love to see a world war ii romance mm-hmm. right, right. The cover of the book within a book that's on the cover of the book, bear with me, is World War II. Do you think she gave us a little secret Easter egg? I think so. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Also, I just want to say, <laughs> if when we get to Colton's book, because Colton's book is book five, yeah. as we know, and there is a scene where Colton meets Dolly Parton, <gasps> you can thank yours truly. <laughs> It'll probably never make it, but if it does, that would be great. But maybe it's like a headcanon because yeah. I don't know if she could actually put Dolly Parton in a book. But you know, Charlie Paris in um her vampire series, she always hinted that Elvis was one of the vampires. Yeah. And she called him Elvis, but she couldn't like outright say it was Elvis. Dolly's a great lady. I'm sure she'd be fine. She'd with be it. cool with it. She'd yeah. add it to the imagination library. Yeah. But so Vlad's <laughs> book, I am so excited for. I think it's gonna be just one giant cuddle session. Oh, yeah. And I just I wanna smoosh him so much. Pretty fish. Obviously, we are very much looking forward to July 10th. 20th. 20th! I got the zero. Which, for some reason, is different on Goodreads, but uh, Lissa herself said zero. July 20th, 2021. Okay. So, cool. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts? No, that's it. What are we okay. doing next time, Jen? I don't even remember. <gasps> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I gotta rein you in somehow. <laughs> we get to talk about horsies all the time. Yeah, you horse girl. <laughs> We're talking about cowboys next month. June 2021. Oh, we are talking about the cowboys. Well, so I might wear my cowboy hat in. So obviously Jackie is a horse person and uh, I've ridden a horse twice. So hey, we'll there see. you go. Yeah. That's more than most people I know. Uh, so it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's great. It was fun. But yeah, so that will air uh, June 4th, which is also the episode where we will announce the winner of the Crazy Stupid Bromance. Yes! So please so, email her so yes. she stops crying on my Email shoulder. me by May 28th if you want to win a signed copy. Jen, why don't they like us? Jen, Jen they don't, don't they email me. me. Uh, please save my ears. 
in my in her phone. <laughs> um, but yes, we just again we want to say thank you to Lissa yes, so much. This was the best month ever. It was we really so fun. It. We were we were literally shitting mm-hmm. bricks about this. And but. We, she's just so kind to libraries too, which we really appreciate. Support so your you, library uh, for being a good author in that sense. Yeah, but I think that's all for this time. Jen, what do we always say? Rejoice! Bye, guys. Bye.